goes right into what we'll be talking about today. I want to say thank you for your participation in the worship so far. You can, if you have your Bible, you can turn to Luke 23. Luke chapter 23, we will be observing the Lord's Supper at the end of our uh, time in the Word today. Luke chapter 23, I have encouraged you for at least a couple weeks now to uh, perhaps do some preparation for Easter Sunday, for even the time when we think about the death of Christ. If you've had an opportunity to go through the gospel, one of the gospel accounts of the trial and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, it's going to really help you uh, celebrate this season, this Easter season all the more. If you've not done that yet, it's not too late. Of course, we've got a full seven days before Easter, but it is very, very appropriate for us as children of the King to look back at what he told us to never forget. When he gave us this ordinance of uh, communion, he said he wants us to constantly look back at his death, not just the resurrection, but at his dying. And that is very special to us, and that seems foreign to people that don't know Jesus Christ, to celebrate that. I've used the illustration before. It's like carrying an electric chair around on a, on a necklace instead of a cross. But we know very much so how special the cross is to us and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And so today we will be looking at a moment uh, that Jesus Christ was on the cross and some words that he said. I would like to bow in prayer again and ask for God's help. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the help you give us from day to day. And I would come to you very clearly now and humbly now and beg for your involvement in this place. That the Holy Spirit would be working and pricking hearts and tugging on uh, minds and the emotions that very possibly some folks came in here with that might be unusual. That very clearly you would be... Uh, using your word to change our minds and change our hearts and change our actions and most of all today that we would understand what we have because of the sacrifice of Christ and what we have not just in eternity but in this present day. Help us Lord to be able to focus on this wonderfully. In Jesus name I pray these things. Amen. I'm not sure if you're a person who likes surprises or not. Some folks hate surprises. Can I go ahead and do a little poll here? How many of you would say you really do not like surprises? Go ahead and raise your hand. Oh, there's quite a few, quite a few that don't like surprises. Hopefully you were paying attention and you're not going to throw a surprise party for anybody that just had their hand up. Some folks do not like surprises. I think it's nice as we go through life every once in a while for us to be surprised, a pleasant surprise about something. I had something uh, come up uh, a few years back now. That was a, a surprise to me, something I did not know about my wife. We were um, actually out shopping. We were in the Christmas store up in Frankenmuth. Many of you are familiar with that store. It was a very crowded season, very crowded time. And as we were in uh, Bronner's Christmas store, we came across a young person, a child that was lost. They had become separated from their parents. And as we noticed this and tried to give a little bit of care and concern to this situation, I found out very quickly that the young person was deaf, that they could not speak. 
And so I was at a complete disadvantage. And it was at that point, years into my marriage, that I watched my wife start to do some things with her fingers. And she started to use some sign language with this child, and the child nodded and signed back. And um, she's not fluent in sign language, but she did have some training in her youth. And she was able to help out a little bit and calm the fears of this one that was lost. And he was able to connect with his parents. That was a neat little surprise for me. I had no idea that she knew sign language. When you think of a child separated from the one that's watching over them, that can be a very serious time. Some of you have your hearts gripped with fear about a situation like that. I know you do. I wonder how many among those that are listening today have had the experience that you've been in some kind of a crowded area and you observed a child that seemed to be on their own. You're not positive, but you're looking at a child, pretty small, and you don't see a parent that is there. You don't see um, anyone that's watching over them, and they don't look like they're hanging on to anyone. Maybe you've been in a crowded space, and you've been in a situation like that, like I have. I can remember very specifically looking at a child and even telling my family, hang on one second, I'm, I'm looking at this child over here to see if there's someone. Because whether they know it or not, now sometimes they do know they're lost, right? And they scream and they holler and they try to find someone that can watch over them. Sometimes they know it. Other times they're oblivious, right? And those of us who understand the world that we live in and the dangers that might be there that would seek out a child separated from his or her parents. What a scary thought that is. And I can remember seeing and watching children until sometimes they finally come into contact with those who are watching them. And after I get past the folks or past the point, what are those parents doing? Why aren't they holding on to their kid better? I can move on and I can go. I want to connect this idea of the dangers that are out there, dangers that sometimes we know about in this present world, but even dangers that we do not know about. We're going to focus on the cross today. And I'm going to spend three times actually uh, looking at the cross today and this coming Friday and next Sunday. And so if you miss one of these messages, I'd encourage you to go online and listen or else get the CD and listen and that would be helpful. But when we look at the cross, we're going to look at this period of darkness when Christ was on the cross and we're going to look at something that he accomplished. And I think that most of us that call ourselves a Christian, we understand what we have in salvation when it comes to the end of our life. I appreciate the scripture that Tim mentioned just a moment ago. Oh, death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? Very much so, those of us who know Jesus and the work that he did on the cross, we know that there is no sting in death for those who follow Jesus Christ. And we're gonna look at that at what Jesus did in the darkness, but even more than that, what I want to focus on is not just that he conquered death, but he also conquered sin. And, and now don't tune me out here, listen. Not just that he conquered the punishment for sin, but that Jesus Christ conquered the power of sin in yours and my life through this present day and until Jesus comes back or until we die. Because I think oftentimes we remind ourselves of yes, heaven and eternity, but we forget 
that when we got the gospel, yes, we got eternal life, but we forget that at the same time, Jesus Christ conquered the power. He conquered the, conquered the consequences of sin in our present world. This is something that does not have to hold power over you. And I want to point us to this as we approach the communion table today. That last song that we just sang, my chains are gone. That's not talking about sometime in the future. That's talking about right now. Now, I don't want to confuse anybody because I'm going to mention a few things here. Some of them are sin. Some of them are not sin, but they are things that the devil can use to get a foothold in our lives. Okay, I'm trying to set this up. So some are sin, some sins of commission, some sins of omission, things we're supposed to be doing that we're not doing. Others are not necessarily sin, but they very clearly are ways that the devil, do you guys think the devil is smart? Has he been around long enough to figure out how to affect not only uh, people who don't know Christ, but believers? You better believe it. There is nothing new under the sun. I remind myself on a regular basis of this because I think to myself, well, we face the challenges today with technology and with the busyness of life. There are so many things that we face in the day that we live in that they did not face 100 years ago or 1,000 years ago. And then very regularly, I remind myself there is nothing new under the sun. So yes, maybe they didn't have some of these same things, but I think they faced the same challenges. And I think the devil would get a foothold in their lives. One of the most encouraging themes for the believer is the confidence that death in this present world is just a passageway to a place that is much, much better. But as we look at the cross I'm going to cover this coming Friday, forgiveness, and really how the punishment for sin was directed, was directed somewhere besides mankind. That's this coming Friday. Next Sunday, we're going to talk about how paradise was opened. We know that Jesus Christ spent six hours on the cross. In the Gospel of Mark, don't turn there, but in Mark 15, it tells us that it was the third hour that they crucified Jesus Christ. And then here in Luke 23, if you're there, Verse 44 references that darkness came about the sixth hour and that darkness stayed for three hours till about the ninth hour. So altogether, we have six hours at least that Christ hung on the cross. And as we look at all four of the gospel writers, all of them focus in on things that took place during this darkness, this three hours of darkness, how forgiveness is released how paradise is opened, and today we're going to focus on how death and sin were conquered. You see, the story of the cross, while we just find it in the New Testament specifically, it's alluded to throughout the scriptures. There are problems throughout the Bible that cannot be taken care of and not be solved until we come to the cross. And so the story of the cross is God's answer to the problems that they're facing from Genesis all the way through the Old Testament. And the story of the cross is God's answer to the problems that you and I face today, not just for eternity in heaven, but the problems that you will face today. What did Jesus do? during those hours of darkness. Those three hours must have seemed like a long time to him, but when we think of someone bearing the sins and all the wrath of God, in fact, let me put it this way, 
when we think of an individual that is not a follower of Jesus Christ, someone who is not a Christian, they will never be able to satisfy the wrath of God. They will spend an eternity in a place called hell, the Word of God tells us, and they can never satisfy it. And yet Jesus Christ was able to satisfy the wrath of God for every sinner, for everyone, all the sin, in just a three-hour period. And the way that's possible is because an infinite punishment could only be paid by an infinite God. Jesus Christ was infinite and all-powerful, and so he could pay for this. And during those dark hours, what did he do? Or even better, let me ask this, what enemies did Jesus take care of when he was on the cross? I think the word enemies is a good way to put it. I referenced earlier some of these are sin. Others are not sin, but I think that we can turn them into sin if we allow the devil to use them as a strong foothold. And some are coming up on the screen here. Let me just talk about this short list, and I'm hoping this will connect with some of you. Because Jesus Christ faced the enemy of loneliness. Loneliness is not a sin. But if we allow it to take hold, and I think the devil is so smart that he knows he can discourage us. He can make us um, ineffective for Jesus Christ if we focus on this. Impatience. A refusal to make a sacrifice. I think in America this is one that's very clear. We can maybe give something to somebody or to the church, but a refusal to make a genuine sacrifice. I'm sacrificing something that I want to give to something for God. The practice of being vulnerable to others. This comes right into being part of a church and not just attending a church, but making yourself vulnerable. How many of us like making ourselves vulnerable? I don't. I don't like being vulnerable to you. And yet that's a step sometimes that we have to take to have some kind of intimate fellowship in the church family. Insecurities. Insecurities can be gripping. These are ones that can stop us from maybe moving forward at all. Remorse you feel towards another. Refusing to humble yourself or fear of failure. These are things that the devil can use very clearly. These are enemies of progress that God wants his children to have. And these are things that the devil took care or that, that Jesus took care of during those hours of darkness. You know, when we think of the devil, we think of Genesis. We go back to the beginning. And it's interesting how many parallels there are between the Garden of Eden and the story of the cross. So we're focusing on the cross today, but we're looking at our enemy as well. And we go back to the garden and see some similarities. Because when we go back to the garden, we understand that in the garden, God, remember this? God pronounced man guilty of sin. When we fast forward to the cross and the crucifixion, we find that man pronounces God guilty of sin. When you go back to the beginning, we see that God drove man out of his garden. And we come to the time of the cross, and we see that man would drive God out of their community with a beam on his back. In the beginning, God pronounced judgment of death. Remember what he said? Dust you came from, and to dust you will return. That's what God said. And at the cross, we find man pronouncing the judgment of death upon God as the people joined together. And when Pilate said, what do you want me to do with Jesus? What did they say? They said, crucify him. Man pronounced judgment of death upon God. 
And the Bible encourages us, this is a good picture, if I can get you here, this will help with this connection. The Bible encourages us to think of death, to view death as a dark valley, a dark valley that all of us have to walk through. And really, that's a good picture, I think. That picture of a dark valley is something that you and I can relate to because as we walk through a dark valley, if we understand there are enemies on all sides, and these here are going to be enemies, the enemies that would knock you out of being effective for God, these things that are lurking in the hidden places of the valley. And when Jesus was on the cross, I want to encourage you that even with this short list that I have mentioned, Jesus conquered every imaginable enemy. And here's what that means. That means that the accuser, if you're keeping a list of names for the devil, one is the accuser. He would accuse you. And if the accuser would try to point to your sins, something from your past, he would talk to God Almighty and try to point out your failures or your sins. We understand that God looks at you and God does not see your failures and your sins, but instead God sees Jesus Christ as the conqueror and the work that he did on the cross. You see, in the hours of darkness, Jesus Christ bore all of our guilt. So wrap your brain about around this as we come to the Lord's table. The wrath of God was poured out on Jesus Christ. He took all of God's judgment. And it was during this time when Jesus was surrounded by an intense presence of evil. And many of you are familiar with the idea that he was abandoned by the Father who would turn away from the Son as the Son bore our sins. One writer puts it this way, he entered all the dimensions of hell. But for our purposes today, I want us to be reminded that he endured all the enemies, those enemies that will lurk in the darkness. So as you walk in the dark valley, there are enemies. And Jesus Christ faced them all, and he cleared them all out as far as his people are concerned. And this is why in the most intense time of his suffering, he calls out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And after he paid the price, listen, the darkness passes. The darkness was gone. The storm was over. The judgment that God Almighty had to pour out on sin was exhausted at that point. And this is why at the end of three hours of darkness, Jesus cried out, it is finished. If you have been in the presence of someone when they have taken their last breath, there are some common things that we see if you... Um, are around someone like that. I've seen that. I know many of you have. Oftentimes when someone is approaching their last breath, it's something that's very gradual. You don't know how long it's going to be. You don't know how long that heart's going to beat when their last breath will come. That's not the idea that we get with Jesus Christ on the cross. If I can put it this way, and I don't want to paint a weird picture in your head of Christ on the cross, but if I can put it this way, Jesus Christ is almost at the end of a finish line, having accomplished everything that the Father had given him to do. That's where he's at. And so Jesus Christ calls out, it is finished. I think it was with a shout that he gave his last breath. And we can study through Roman crucifixion, 
And we can look at how someone could have never gone through this and not died. But you need to believe what the scripture says is that no man, no Roman guard, it was not Pilate who made sure that Jesus Christ died. Jesus Christ laid down his own life. It was he who gave his life. No one took it from him. And he did it when the work on the cross was done. And I'm sure those who were watching and they had heard the words that he said, they wondered what he would say next. And that's where we're at in Luke 23 here. Those who watched must have wondered where, what he would say next. And he said with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. And so under, understand very clearly in this picture that the Father is no longer turned away from the Son The son is no longer forsaken by the father. He has cleared the enemies from the valley of death and he has borne the judgment of sin and wrath. And what he has done is he has opened paradise. And so when you and I see Jesus Christ there, this is the picture that we can have. He's gone through all of this and it's not going to be a wrenching of the soul from the body. That's not the idea. Instead, he simply is going to entrust himself, his spirit into the hands of the Father because the battle is over. The work is finished. Everything in the Old Testament that was looking towards God depended upon this. And everything that we experience today, 2,000 years later, looks back to this point. And I want to remind us as we come to this time of remembering the shed blood of Jesus Christ in his broken body. I want to remind us that we need to be constantly having the same attitude. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Maybe this will connect with you. Our default position in this present world is strugglers. Okay? Now, I know many people sing victory in Jesus, and I know that we understand, um, we get to a place of maturity where we understand that we've won the victory, and that's really where I'm trying to get you to today, that you understand the chains are gone. But so often, we allow ourselves to get to a place where we are struggling in this world. That's our default position, believing that Jesus or that God is somehow disappointed with us. Now, let me just go ahead and get practical for a second. That'll preach pretty well. In fact, when I was in children's church when I was a kid, there was a guy who said it all the time. I can remember very clearly. He would try to guilt us into obeying and doing right. And here's what he would say. He's in heaven today, and I'm sure it's all forgiven, right? Right? I'm sure it is. But he would say this in children's church. He'd say, you're going to get up in heaven someday, and you're going to be staring down in your boots, so, so ashamed of how you lived your life. A mental picture that he put in my mind, in other people's mind. And that is a dangerous place for us to get. It might sound like a good motivator, but it is not. And here's what I mean by that. God is not, listen, God is not simply tolerating you in this present world. He's not. He looks down upon you as something so valuable, something that he gave his son for, And it's not just that in eternity and in heaven he's going to enjoy you as his child. He's not simply tolerating you. He's not watching you in your struggle, regretting the decision to pay the price. Let me say this. You have no sin, past, present, or future, that has more power than the cross of Jesus Christ, than what he did. And this means that your salvation 
It wasn't just something in the past. And we think of that, right? We had a combined praise service a couple weeks ago. We gave people a chance to stand up and give their testimony when they came to Jesus Christ. And too many people view the gospel as something just from the past. And that's a mistake. Because how you got saved in that power and what God did to save you, that is what we need to focus on throughout our lives. He is continuing to save us. It's not just that he saved us and forgave our past sins and leaves us to figure out the sins for today. Because here's a newsflash. Many of you are probably in this place. You can't figure it out. You can try to get victory all you want. You can read the books. You can talk to wise people. You can do everything that you can humanly do, but you cannot do anything to get victory over your present sin and your future sins. It's going to take you focusing on the same gospel that saved you. We focus on our salvation, but we also focus on the work Christ did on the cross for our day to day. Our chains are gone. And I know what some right now are thinking. But you don't know how deplorable my sin is. I won't be telling you. I can't even tell my family. You don't know how many times I have struggled and I have gone and fallen on my face and asked God to help me with this and I have fallen and so I, I, I have to focus on something else to help me with this, this that I'm struggling with. And some would even think that God, some would go so far to say that God cannot help them with that. And I would say that I know Jesus would tell you that he prayed the, paid the price in full and so what you're saying is nonsense. Jesus did the work in the darkness, conquering sin, not only the consequences of sin, so that today, tomorrow, no matter what you are facing, God looks at you because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, if you're a follower of his. That's how he sees you. Doesn't mean we don't struggle. It means you don't have to give in to this, this power that you think sin has over you. It does not have power over you. Romans chapter six reminds us of this. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin? That grace may abound? God forbid. How shall you that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized in Jesus Christ were baptized into his death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so you should walk in newness of life. You don't have to wait. I can't wait for eternity. I can't wait to not struggle anymore. I can't wait to be able to eat whatever I want and not gain a pound. I can't wait for that day. But in this day that I live in right now, God is not simply tolerating and we don't just have to hang on and get through. We live in a day where you can have victory. This is what the world needs to see. This is the light in you that is different. Not because you read the right book or because you had the right kind of lifestyle or whatever. It's because the change God made in you. This is what is supernatural that takes place in you and me. This is the work that Jesus Christ did in conquering sin on the cross. I'm gonna ask you during the quietness when we're passing out the elements to think on this. I'm gonna ask the men who are serving today if they would come forward, please. And if I could ask you to prepare your hearts.
let me just say a word quickly. Uh, this is an ordinance of the church. This is for people who are followers of Jesus Christ. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I would invite you to join with this local church family and observe communion with us today as Jesus Christ commanded it. If you're not sure of your position with Jesus Christ, if you're not sure what's going on here at Calvary, you don't know us very well, that's fine. You don't have to participate. Just pass the plates by. They'll be coming out uh, through the rows. Just pass it by and, and don't take. But if you are a follower of Jesus, I would invite you very much so to participate with us. We follow the example of Jesus Christ when he sat at the Last Supper. And if you're reading through one of the accounts of Jesus, you're going to come across this as you approach the cross. It's a sweet, sweet time. And it's a sweet story. The example as Jesus took the common practice that they had as Jews and he turned it into something that was very different and special for both Jews and non-Jews into the future. And he gave us this wonderful ordinance. In 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three, the Bible says that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread. I'm gonna ask Fred Green to ask the blessing on the bread. As we come before you, our Heavenly Father, you are our Master, our Lord, and our Savior. It is hard for us to think of all the events coming up through the week of the triumphant entry, your death, your resurrection. As we celebrate this day, that triumphant entry, we recognize that we all are journeyers to heaven. We're all on this path. And Father, we know that sometimes it seems to be very dark. But we are your church. We travel this road together looking to cross that finish line together. We are thankful for these elements and what they mean that we can reflect upon you and the cruelty of what our sin caused. In Christ's name.
I referenced earlier that God tells us, Jesus tells us never to forget the cross. And oftentimes when we see a cross, it's a nice, clean picture, shiny maybe. And uh, one song that's done very good at not doing that, not changing that picture, is the song Old Rugged Cross. And I'd like for us just to sing the chorus together of Old Rugged Cross. Starts out, so I'll cherish the old rugged cross. Would you sing it with me if you know it? So I'll cherish the old rugged cross Till my trophies at last Remember me when you do this. Man, the men to stand, please. I'm going to ask Tom to ask the blessing on the cup. Dear Father, we again thank thee for thy love and goodness to us, for the love that you bestowed upon us by sending your son, Christ, to die on a cross to pay the penalty for our sins and Lord as we observe communion as you instructed us to observe in remembrance of what was done there at Calvary and we do thank thee for that sacrifice Father we just pray that we might go out and be a witness for you a testimony and we do pray Lord that our government our country would turn back to you. Pray in thy name. Amen.
shedding of blood that he accomplished the possibility of our salvation. When Jesus Christ sat with his followers, he did the same thing with the cup, the Bible tells us. He said, this cup is my blood, my new covenant with you. Each time you drink this cup, remember me. I'd like to change the closing. Tom, I'm going to cancel our closing song, Tim, and uh, ask us just to stand as a church family and sing one more song. It's common that I will choose songs to sprinkle through communion. I think it's very sweet, but the song that we're going to sing right now is not one that I have ever chosen before to sing during communion. But I have encouraged us to remember the work of Christ on the cross and what it means for you, even with the struggles that you might be facing, the sins that you think are holding power of you, but they're not. And it's all because the wonderful faithfulness of our God. We're going to sing this a cappella, just the first verse. We're going to close our service in this way. Would you sing with me? Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, we look to you with a complete confidence that you not only made us and made a plan to save us, but that you are with us every moment of every day. When we lay our head on the pillows, may the things that the enemy would bring to our minds, may we be reminded that Christ conquered those. When we are moving towards some kind of sin because we still face temptation and sin in this world, would we be reminded as your children that Jesus Christ faced that enemy in that dark valley and we do not have to fear to walk with confidence, not in ourselves, but in the beautiful and infinite work of Christ on the cross. And we praise you for this special time when we could remember it and for this next week where those that know you will be celebrating not just the work on the cross, but the resurrection and life eternal. And all God's people said, amen.